Hello and welcome to the Board Shorts podcast brought to you by Get On Board Australia, the destination for new and aspiring board members and company directors. This podcast is called Board Shorts because boards and governance can sometimes be a dry topic. So I'm bringing you valuable, easy to digest information on board and company director related topics, concepts and ideas in 30 minutes or less. Whether you're looking to join a board or thrive in the boardroom, this podcast is designed just for you. My name is Lisa Cook and I'm your host. As founder and managing director of Get On Board Australia, I hope to make this podcast and the information I share valuable and useful to new and aspiring company directors and board members like you. Welcome back to another episode of Diary of a Board Member. Today's episode is an answer to a question asked by Get On Board Australia community member Christina. Christina asks, does being on the board of a not-for-profit differ significantly from a company board? Great question and thank you for sending it in, Christina. I appreciate that. The short answer to this question is yes and no. But that doesn't exactly tell you much, does it? And the long answer brings in so many complexities, uh, circumstantial intricacies and organisation and board specifics. So the answer I'm going to share today falls somewhere in the middle and gives you some food for thought when considering whether you want to join a not-for-profit board or a for-profit board, which to make it a little bit easier, I'll now refer to as a corporate board. So I'll do this by addressing what I think are the three main areas that people primarily mean and consider when asking me this question, particularly around how the not-for-profit and corporate boards are different. And that's largely around three areas, director's duties and responsibilities, so largely focused on whether being on a not-for-profit board or a volunteer director absolves you of any legal or otherwise requirements. Second is on time, and really that's going to focus on whether one type of board requires more or less time from you than the other. And thirdly, the amount of work required from you. Uh, And this is really considering whether one type of organisation requires more from you as a director than a different type of organisation. So let's jump into these one by one. Firstly, let's think about your director's duties and responsibilities. Regardless of the organisation type, you have legal duties and responsibilities as a director or board member or management committee member or whatever title is given to you. Um, I like to refer to everyone as directors, but do know that different organisations may call them different things, but we're all meaning the same type of person. So whether you're on the board of a corporation a not-for-profit, charity, 
association, whatever it is, you have to understand that you have legal duties and responsibilities. Where it starts to get different across each organisation type is really in relation to the piece of legislation that's giving you these duties and responsibilities. So generally for corporate boards, you're governed by the Federal Corporations Act, whereas for -for not-for-profits, their main legislation outlining directors' duties is their relevant state-based incorporated associations legislation. Of course, if that not-for-profit is an association. However, depending on the not-for-profit, the governing legislation can be different. So, for example, for companies limited by guarantee, they are governed by the Corporations Act. So, some large national not-for-profits take on this style of organisation structure for various purposes But in doing that, it brings them under the sort of guise of the Corporations Act. They can still act as a not-for-profit and channel their surpluses into um, beneficial outcomes that's been decided on by the members of that organisation through the Constitution, but they do have that Corporations Act governance. So if you're looking to join a board... It's worth spending the time clarifying as part of your due diligence what type of org structure they have so that you can understand which piece of legislation you're being governed by and specifically then what your duties and responsibilities are under that piece of legislation. Luckily for us, all of the various legislation I have seen generally says the same thing when it comes to directors' duties, but uses slightly different language. Some legislation, however, like, for example, the Cooperatives National Legislation, actually copies the same directors' duties from the Corporations Act. So what this means is that all types of organisations have mandated duties and responsibilities for their directors or whatever title they have. So by and large, there are no differences between not-for-profit boards and corporate boards when considering the duties and responsibilities that you take on as a director of that organisation. And just to note two very important things to consider, your duties and responsibilities don't change, they're not diminished, they're not removed if you're a paid or a volunteer director, it's all the same. Nor does it change if you call yourself something other than a director. Really, when uh, the law considers whether you're a director or not, it's more around what function you served in that organisation rather than the title that you wore. Now let's look at the time that you need to allocate to each board. Depending on your perspective, you could think that either type of board requires more time than the other. And you know what? You wouldn't be wrong either way. How much time you need to adequately serve as a director on a board in a particular type of organisation structure, it depends on 
a number of factors and that can all go out the window the moment a crisis lands on the board table and I've said it before it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when a crisis occurs so when you're thinking in general about the time that you need to commit to a board you need to consider things like how many board meetings are held each year where those board meetings are held and the amount of travel required to attend meetings, whether you're required to serve on any committees, even if it's just one committee, how often those committees meet and, again, the travel required to get there, whether there's any events that you're required to attend. That could be for a not-for-profit, think of something like a fundraising event Or if it's for a corporate board, it could be meeting with investors or important stakeholders or groups like that. How much meeting preparation you're required to do. So taking a look at the size of the board packs that come out regularly for those monthly or every second month meeting might give you an indication of how long the meetings go for. Whether you're chairing a committee or chairing the board the time required from you in the business, and we talk more on that in the next point, the quality of the other board members, so how well-versed are the people around the table at being on a board and being an effective, coherent team. Now, bad board members can really slow things up. Really good members can keep things moving smoothly and keep progressing forward. Consider also what's happening in the business that could require more time from you during board meetings. Any time-sensitive matters that arise that need in-between board attention. Liaising with your fellow board directors. Now, what's not obvious from the outside with boards is that a lot of the board work gets done in between meetings. Um, So that's a lot of phone conversations, catch-ups, coffees, etc. And I recommend spending time with your board colleagues to build a bit of a relationship beyond the boardroom because that can greatly enhance your board experience. And lastly, consider your learning and development, so your continued education, not only about the company, so think about how much extra work you need to do when you first get on a board and you're getting to know the business and inducted onto the board and into the company, but also the learning and development that you do around your role as a director. So each of these factors can vary greatly across each board, let alone a company structure. Part of your due diligence when you're considering joining a board is around how much time you have based on how much time will be required from you on that board at that particular point in time. And thirdly, let's keep on the theme of time required and consider the work that might be required from you. So as I mentioned in my previous point, every organisation and board is in its own unique place and space and each have differing requirements from its board members 
and these can change, they're never static. So contrary to popular belief, directors don't only work on the business, they actually sometimes work in the business. And this isn't actually a phenomenon that's limited to resource-constrained, not-for-profits and volunteer-driven organisations. Only recently I was reading about a couple of board members from one of the big four banks who were paid for work that they did within the organisation as consultants. So think of even some of the largest businesses in Australia have their board members working in the organisation as well, that the chances are that you'll have to do some hands-on work in the organisation of the board that you join is very, very likely. So consider that because you're largely recruited by a board because of the expertise you have, that organisation may at some point lean on you to bring that into the organisation beyond what you can do as a pure board member. Now, this is the point where the organisation type can influence what happens next. For not-for-profits, you can generally assume that you'll be asked to provide this expertise on a pro bono or volunteer basis. Whereas for a corporate board, you could probably expect some form of payment for your work in the business. Either way, you could end up doing a significant amount of in-the-business work as a board member. Are you comfortable to potentially be working in the business and quite possibly be asked to do it for free? It's not a right or wrong. It's what do you want from that board position and what are you comfortable taking on as additional possible work? So let's recap briefly on Christina's question about whether being on the board of a not-for-profit differs significantly from a corporate board. As you've heard, the answer to that question is very nuanced. And to simplify the answer, we considered three main areas the difference in directors' duties and responsibilities. Essentially, there are none. The time required from you, and that is very organisation and circumstance driven. So you need to check and incorporate a buffer because it could increase exponentially should a crisis drop. And thirdly, the amount of work required from you for each organisation type. Again, this is very organisation and circumstance driven. Consider how much you can give and whether you're the right person for the job when it comes up. Is it better served to have an independent person working on that particular matter rather than a board member? So thanks again, Christina, for writing in and asking this question. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like covered on a future episode, please visit getonboardaustralia.com.au forward slash podcast and submit it via the online form on that webpage. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Thank you.